Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 9 and read through verse 15. As Kermit mentioned, we'll be traveling, so I'm going to give you guys a break for the next couple Sundays. Mitchell will be here. Mitchell Sutton will be here in my place. So please come and support him. This may be one of the last times we get to hear from Mitchell as he is graduating from seminary and um, is already in process of entering the chaplain school in the U.S. Army. So please come and support him, pray for him, support his family as well um, uh, the next two weeks, but also as he moves forward. Uh, When I get back, we will cover the ending that we typically say at the end of our Lord's Prayer, at the beginning of our of our worship service, but that I have not read once as we have gone through this. And we'll we'll go through the ending and we'll explain why it shows up in the footnotes rather than in the text. So we'll cover that when I get back. And I'm 99 and 44 one hundredths percent sure after that we will begin the book of Proverbs. And so uh, please look forward to that after the beginning of the year. But our message today comes from Matthew 6, 13, but I'll read the entirety of the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or depending upon your translation, deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Let us pray. O God above, we are gathered here today around your word. We've been called through your word. We are sung your word. We have prayed your word. And now we are here to listen to and study your word. In that we are seeking hope and that through your teaching, you will give us relief and help in our life. Teach us your law so that we might find the freedom of living according to your will. Show us your grace in your law. Give us understanding so that we might meditate and be changed according to your holiness. It is in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Is evil real? Many of us would say yes. Many of us would affirm what the Bible affirms, that evil is a real thing, a real power in our life. But many of us live as though it does not exist. Many of us live as though we have evil licked because we are children of God through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, evil is real. Evil manifests itself in our world in two ways. The first is external evil. We see and feel external evil in our daily reality as we read the news of natural disasters, of oppression and violence throughout our world, many times making us recoil against the horrors of living in a fallen world. But external evil is not only the evil of people and the evil of natural disasters, 
It's the reality of the devil and his minions. Satan is out there seeking to devour and destroy, we are told, like a roaring lion. He is out there tempting and trying to influence society at large and God's people in particular to deny him and seek their own wills. That was Satan's point in bringing suffering on Job. If Job could have everything taken away from him, then he would deny God. Or at least that was Satan's attempt. The reality of life is that evil exists outside of each and every one of us. But evil is not only external reality, it is also, unfortunately, an internal reality. Every human being is disposed toward evil. Genesis 6 Genesis 6 says that all of man's thoughts are only wicked all the time. Doesn't leave a whole lot of room there, does it? Now, it's important to distinguish between totally depraved and fully evil. None of us act on those evil thoughts, or at least not to the extent that they creep into our minds oftentimes. But the influence is still there, even for those who have been made holy by the work of Jesus Christ. The old man is still there. The old man is still influencing us. And oftentimes Satan has easy work because of the evil that we are tuned toward in our own life. And I believe the text here affirms both types of evil. Some of you have the translation, but deliver us from evil. Some of you have the translation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I believe the text in the original language is intentionally ambiguous to remind us that evil comes from within and from without. And so what is the hope? What is the hope with such external temptations to evil and such internal temptations What is our hope? Our hope is prayer. And we see this positively as we consider when he says, lead us not into temptation. Or we see that negatively in the lead us not into temptation, but and positively as we pray to be delivered from the evil one. First, God and temptation. Negatively, Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not in temptation. Now, on the surface, this teaching seems to contradict what we read earlier from James chapter one, verses 13 and 14, where we are told that God does not tempt us or cause us to sin. If God does not tempt me, if God does not cause me to sin, why must I pray to that very same God? Lead me not into temptation. Some have seen this as a reason to abandon their faith. Well, this is just an example of another contradiction within the scriptures. Others have tried to explain it away by saying that this is a a prayer here that God not lead us into trials, into tribulations. It's the same word, temptation, trial, used two different ways in James chapter one. So Jesus must be saying here, That God lead us not into trials rather than into temptation. But I think in pairing this together with the evil one. We must understand that this is a prayer that God lead us not that God not lead us into temptation. English is a difficult language, folks, and it's my native one. Now. How do we reconcile these two things? 
I think it's important for us to consider the example of Job once again. God did not tempt Job to sin, but he allowed Satan to do that very thing. And I think the prayer here is for God not to put us in a position where we are tempted to sin. Sometimes he does that by leading us through trials, does he not? Oftentimes when we go through the difficulties of life, oftentimes when whether it's health, whether it's family, whether it's job related, whatever it is, whatever that trial is that God is leading us through. The temptation comes in that trial to look at God and turn our back upon him to deny him, to test him, to worship ourselves or something else in this world rather than him. And the temptation is real, folks. The temptation is there in the midst of the trial to say, God, I give up. You're not worth following. You're not worth worshiping. I turn my back on you. Other times we're told in Romans chapter one that sometimes as a form of judgment, God says to people, you would rather have this sinful act than me. Go for it. Take all the sin you want. I'm going to let you go into it. And the prayer here is whether we're in trial or whether we are predisposed toward pet sins or certain sins. The prayer here is don't lead me into those areas. I'm not strong enough to handle it. Don't leave me in a place in my life where sin is easy for me. I'm not strong enough to handle it. Now, the reality is God gives us the strength to bear up under temptation. God always leaves us a way out of temptation. But there is a sense in which this prayer is a prayer that while answered here will not be fully answered until we See our Lord face to face when he returns at the second coming in Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah is talking about the new heavens, and the new earth. He talks about the glory of a restored Israel. He talks about strengthening of feeble hands, steadying of knees, healing of the eyes of the blind, healing of the legs of the lame, opening the ears of the death, water gushing forth in deserts. Burning sands becoming refreshing pools. It's a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. And then in verse 8, he says, it's Isaiah chapter 35, verse 8. He says, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get up upon it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there and the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. Who is the lion that no longer prowls the road in the new heavens and the new earth? How many times are we told in Scripture that Satan prowls, seeking to destroy, seeking to devour, and he does that through tempting us to sin? 
Brothers and sisters, while we pray here, lead us not into temptation. While we understand that God will give us the power to avoid temptation if we but take it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We anxiously, wholeheartedly await that day when temptation is no more. Can you imagine a day when you will no longer be tempted to sin? Whatever your sin is that you deal with, that you struggle with, that you go to God and say, Lord, I've asked you a million times to forgive me for this. I'm doing it again today and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Can you imagine a world where you no longer have to be tempted by that sin? You no longer have to wrestle with it. We pray for that when we say, lead us not into temptation, knowing that it is a future reality, knowing that it is a hope that we have. Oh, how I long for the day when the lion no longer prowls the road. I walk along on the way to God's celestial city. So on the negative side, we pray, God, don't lead me into temptation. I can't handle it. On the positive side, we pray, God, deliver me from evil or from the evil one. God, deliver me from the horrors and evils of this world. God, deliver me from the horrors and evils of the temptation that Satan brings upon me. God, deliver me from the propensity to sin that exists within me. God, help me to walk in a way that rests and relies upon you. Deliver me from the influence of the old man and help me to seek to live according to the holiness you have given me in Jesus Christ. The two halves of this petition remind us that just as we are dependent upon God for 100% of what we need to live our daily lives, we are wholly and completely dependent upon God to walk a holy life in this world. Can I bear up under temptation? Not without the help of God. Can I bear up under trials? Not without the help of God. Can I avoid sin in my life? Not without the help of God. And prayer is the conduit of that power. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the sin that I desperately want to do. As Paul says, there are so many things that I wish I didn't do in Romans 7, but I do them anyway. But the things I want to do, the glory that I want to give to God, that's what I don't do. I seek my own glory. I seek my own pride. I seek my own sin rather than the holiness of God. And my only hope in that is the power that I am given and the fact that Jesus bore up under temptation and did not sin. That is my righteousness. That is my holiness. That is my hope in this prayer. Just as you empower Jesus, empower me. Save me from my sin. Save me from my temptation. Save me from the evil outside of me. There are three things to remember as we pray this petition. The first is where we started today. We must remember that evil is a real and present danger. One literature professor believes that this is what Tolkien was trying to answer as he wrote The Lord of the Rings. 
the age-old philosophical question, is evil something inside of me or is it something outside of me? And Tolkien came to the realization that it's both. As Frodo wrestled with the ring, he understood that the evil of the ring was a present and real reality outside of him. But at the end, it wasn't the evil of the ring that almost doomed Frodo. It was his own lust for power. It was his own pride that said, I will embrace the evil power of the ring. Folks, evil exists outside of us. The propensity to go along with it exists within us. And it takes prayer to know that temptation is not something we need to worry about if it will come. But we should pray that we handle temptation well when it does come. Secondly, the first thing to remember is that evil is real and it is a present danger. Secondly, we remember that we are not able to resist temptation on our own. Now, this reminder can be depressing. Because I think I can handle my sin on my own. In fact, that's a dangerous place to be. How many times have I said, look at how well I've handled this sin. And within, if I'm lucky, a week, I've fallen right back into it. Because I thought I could handle it on my own. And yet this prayer, this petition reminds us that Jesus was tempted in every way, but without sin. And the way to link into that power is to humbly admit that we cannot handle temptation ourselves. Through the power of the Holy Spirit to pray to him, lead us not and deliver us. And thirdly, we pray for endurance in praying this. We long for that day that Isaiah prophesied, the day when the lion will no longer prowl the road to God's glorious city. And while we long for that day, we live in days when temptation comes. And they continue to approach us. They continue to attack us. And I think the longer we walk this road toward holiness, the deeper we understand the temptations go. In order to bear up under those, as long as we must, this prayer reminds us that we must pray for endurance as we walk this road. The hope that we have is that God will give us the strength to resist and to endure. The hope that we have is empowered by the righteousness of Jesus that is ours. And the hope that we have is available to us through prayer. Dear God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil and the evil one. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, thank you for this glorious reminder. That while we are forgiven of our sins, we still struggle with temptation. And we are utterly dependent upon you to bear up underneath it. Remind us when we enter trials to trust you, to obey you, and to love you. And remind us that we have the power to do those things through prayer. Lead us not and deliver us. Amen. Our closing hymn today comes from the hymn book, hymn number 166, God rest you, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen and ladies.